This is a long strip, and I see a lot of racing and a lot of speeding happening here. A pedestrian seriously hurt in Surrey on a street neighbors say is dangerous. There were a few issues about, uh, about keeping things tidy. A restaurant reopens after a rodent somehow ended up in soup. I was reading the weather and hoping it was snowing as much as it could. Well, he got his wish. Snow and wind warnings. A stormy Saturday in B.C. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. I'm Jordan Armstrong. Sonny is off tonight. A woman in her 50s is in critical condition in hospital after she was hit by a vehicle in Surrey today. As Julia Foy reports, it may have all began when she tried to catch the bus. A pair of shoes lie in the middle of 152nd Street in Surrey, a sad reminder of a devastating collision that sent a 58-year-old woman to hospital Saturday morning. She's currently in uh, local hospital in critical conditions, suffering from numerous fractures due to the uh, collision. Police believe the woman was struck after using the crosswalk at 68th Avenue. She may have been en route to this bus stop. She never made it. Initial belief is perhaps she was trying to make the bus that was just arriving at the intersection and uh, sadly was struck by a, a turning vehicle. This white Acura with a crumpled windshield is believed to be the suspect vehicle. The driver remained at the scene and is cooperating with police. It's really scary because like, I come here to work about every day, so it's like really scary to think that that happened like, right here. Local residents worry that pedestrians may need more protection at this very busy intersection. A lot of accidents that happens here. And uh, I think they should put even more blinker lights, like when people are crossing, so they see more flashing lights going on. Close calls, because like, yeah, there's like sometimes people will speed after like the red lights on and stuff like that. Police say it was unfortunate the woman was wearing black clothing and it was still dark outside when the accident occurred. Even if you do have the right of way, you still have to look out for the vehicle traffic. Not everybody sadly is gonna stop, but you wanna make sure you get across safely. Anyone who may have witnessed the accident or has dash cam or security video of the collision, which happened at 7.20 a.m., is asked to contact the Surrey RCMP. Julia Foy, Global News. A Vancouver man killed in a hit-and-run crash was honoured by friends and family last night. <laughs> 39-year-old Donnell Auger is being remembered as a committed single father to three young children. He was struck by a vehicle early Thursday on Kingsway near Glen Drive, later dying in hospital. The driver fled the scene but later came forward to police. He has since been released and is awaiting charges. The victim's sister is hoping for justice. This guy gets to go home to a warm bed. Well, we can barely eat or sleep because we're just so devastated. I just think there's something wrong there. A warning from Surrey RCMP to help find a man wanted on an outstanding warrant. George Gettings is wanted for uttering threats. He has no fixed address, but it's believed he may be in downtown Vancouver. The 55-year-old is described as 5 foot 11 and 190 pounds. He has light brown hair and blue eyes. If you see him or know where he is, do not approach. Instead, call 911 or Crime Stoppers. More tonight on the rat spat between two Vancouver restaurants. Mammy Taylor says it's now severed all ties with Crab Park Chowdery after a rodent somehow ended up in a bowl of soup this week. 
As Jill Bennett reports, the owner of Mammy Taylor's claims their business became collateral damage. A reminder, video of the alleged incident is disturbing. The owner of Mammy Taylor's restaurant in Chinatown is happy the establishment is open again after being swept up in the aftermath of a video post that went viral. It's nice to be feel feel like I've been vindicated, you know, like it's not it wasn't us that was the that was the problem, but at the same time it's, you know, it, it yesterday was a very difficult day. What is this? Oh my god, it's a dead. <gasps> Is it supposed to be there? The video posted to Instagram Thursday shows what appears to be a rodent served in a bread bowl of soup at the Crab Park Chowdery. Those behind the post tell Global News in an email they were given a full refund and a gift card after they discovered the rat. If this situation occurred and it's, and it's legitimate, we're, we're more than willing to own up to it, work with the health department, figure all that stuff out. The incident prompted inspections by Vancouver Coastal Health. The chowdery was allowed to remain open, but Mammy Taylor's was shut down after inspectors found evidence of a rodent infestation in the commissary kitchen in the basement. That's where the chowdery rented space to prepare its soup. Closure is one of the tools. You know, we don't use that tool lightly. It's something that we sort of reserve for where we feel that we need to address an imminent health hazard. Mammy Taylor's has now severed all ties with the Crab Park Chowdery, saying renting out the commissary kitchen space was an experiment they won't be repeating. There were a few issues about uh, about keeping things tidy uh, in organization um, that were, you know, addressed and, and dealt with, but continually kind of uh, ongoing. Oliver also wants his customers to know the Mammy Taylor's kitchen was in no way part of the problem. It's an open space and on the main floor. The commissary is in the basement um, and completely separate. You know, it's not like we were sharing staff or uh, sharing ingredients or, or sharing cooking space. Everything was separate. As for the investigation, Vancouver Coastal Health says it's concluded, but we may never know how a rodent got into the clam chowder. Jill Bennett, Global News. Three central Alberta men have been found after they were reported missing during a snowmobiling trip to B.C. Ryan Piper, Todd Kennedy and Braden Kennedy left the Red Deer area Thursday night. The three men went to Revelstoke. They were planning to sled at Boulder Mountain Friday and were last heard from yesterday morning. Family members started to worry when they didn't hear from the trio last night. They say the three men are typically in constant contact with their families and they started to worry for their safety. RCMP say their empty vehicle was found at the base of the mountain and family members say around four this afternoon they got the good news the men are alive they got into a bad spot whatever that means uh they had to surrender their sleds to the mountain and uh basically camp out for the night um search and rescue saw them at about two o'clock bc time today walking on a trail and saw all three of them and they got them to a cabin and got them warmed up and got them off of the mountain. Over emotional to the point that I just broke and released my tears and I am overjoyed that my husband and my son have been found. The three men are expected back in the Red Deer area tomorrow. Parts of B.C. not escaping the wrath of Mother Nature today. Strong winds once again taking down power lines and closing down some ski hills. But as Kristen Robinson reports, kids in the Okanagan were pleased with the heavy snowfall this holiday week. Crews on overdrive in the Okanagan. 
after Kelowna woke up to as much as 18 centimeters of snow on Saturday. It was snowing pretty hard, so I was pretty excited. I got called at 12 a.m., and I've been working ever since 12 a.m. 80-year-old Alex Thompson using his machine to clear five driveways on the block. It's challenging. Keeps, keeps me young. I'm not a big fan of shoveling snow, yeah. so yeah, I love it in the mountains, yeah. for sure. Fresh powder drawing crowds to Whistler Blackcomb, but high winds driving some away. Well, the fact that I'm going in after one run speaks for itself. Half the mountain's open, so I'm going to give it a try. Weather delaying the mountain's opening and closing some lifts for the day. Hikers on Grouse Mountain greeted by this. The North Shore Hill shutting down its skyride and downhill area due to high winds. Basically, no tram ride down. If we're going to go hike up, we're going to have to hike back down. I'm not going to take a risk in going up and being stranded up there. In the Fraser Canyon, downed power lines closed Highway 1 20 kilometers north of Boston Bar. Road crews then clearing multiple rock slides as Hydro repaired the storm damage. <laughs> On Vancouver Island, crews still catching up from the pre-Christmas blow have fresh work cut out for them with a tree down on hydro lines in Shawnigan Lake. With the snow here, it's got to be a little bit warmer outside than the snow, and the snow packs nicely. So if you can make a snowball, you can make a snowman. Back in Kelowna, the perfect recipe to build five snowmen in an hour. And those hired to remove it hope it sticks around. I really hope we get more snow. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Yvonne will have the forecast in just a few minutes. As for those still in the dark after last week's windstorm, BC Hydro says they hope to have power restored to everyone by year's end. Crews have restored power to 700,000 customers since the windstorm more than a week ago. But about 650 customers on the Gulf Islands remain without power. More than 80 crews have been sent there. BC Hydro hopes to have all customers restored by New Year's Eve. But more high winds today could impact restoration efforts. Tributes are pouring in tonight for a respected former journalist and BC coroner. Barb McClintock died suddenly this morning in Victoria from complications of recently diagnosed thyroid cancer. She worked for 14 years with the BC coroner's service as a coroner and then working as the public face of the service dealing with the media. She also worked as a reporter with the province newspaper as their Victoria bureau chief. She helped break down the gender barrier at the Victoria Press Gallery. In the early 1970s, she and Marjorie Nichols were posted there. Barb McClintock was just 68 years old. Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, Barb was universally respected, and as you mm -hmm. pointed out on Twitter today, her reporting was often considered the official transcript. Yeah, exactly, uh, Jordan. McTick, as we all know, uh, called her, and she was widely known as. I worked with her for about 20 years in the press gallery. Her reporting was astonishing. She was well known for her meticulous research and her, her accurate quotes of, of people. She was uncanny in her accuracy, and everybody looked to her stories as basically the journal of record, particularly when the, when the uh, province used to be a broadsheet paper and her stories were much larger. But her picture's been on the wall of various press gallery group portraits over the years since 1970. 73 until 2003, and then she began another career as a coroner, as you mentioned. So we're going to hear from a top journalist now, and of course, BC's chief coroner. Here they are. When you go up the entranceway to the press gallery in the buildings, there's pictures of every press gallery going back to the turn of the previous century, 
and there are no women there until about 1973, which is the year the barber showed up working here for the province. She must have been in her early 20s, and right from the beginning, she was a terrific newspaper reporter. Uh, fair, but accurate. I guess just to say that there are a lot of people today reflecting on Barb's life and what she meant to them and a lot of people really realizing how much she gave of herself and how much we're really going to miss her in all walks of life. Absolutely. And on a lighter note, Keith, I understand she was also known for knitting at news conferences. And actually, in the legislature itself, uh, Jordan, in the chamber, she'd sit there overlooking the politicians as they debated. She'd be knitting, not taking notes, but she was able to recall uh, with stunning accuracy just what was said. She would knit at news conferences, as you mentioned. She wouldn't go in scrums, but she always had this uncanny ability to uh, accurately quote people and really seize on the key part of legislation and expose it oftentimes for being a very weak piece of legislation, even getting the government sometimes to amend the bill. So she's going to be fondly remembered and sorely missed in the entire community of the capital. She was active in agricultural affairs, girl guides, 4-H, you name it. Barb McClintock, bit of a legend around Victoria and the rest of BC. She was so generous with her time. Our condolences to her loved ones tonight. Keith, thanks. And welcome back to the News Hour. We are about to wrap up another year without ride hailing in BC, even though the NDP government promised it would be here by now. With New Year's Eve just around the corner, the question is, will transit and taxis be able to keep up with the demand? Here's Nadia Stewart. Every single shift that I have volunteered for has been very busy. Coquitlam City Councillor Terry Towner has been volunteering with Operation Red Nose for about the last eight years, making sure festive partygoers get home safely. She commends her fellow drivers, but says they could use a little more help out there. And now that ride hailing is, it could be here, it's in every other large city in North America, people are aware that other options exist and they're getting frustrated. Many hoped that option would be available by now. The government promised ride hailing for Christmas 2017. Now it won't be here until 2019. A lot of work to do, but we're confident that we're well on our way and the legislation will set the table for that in, into the new year. Meaning this year, people will once again be relying on transit and taxis. Lower Mainland Taxi Companies applied for over 300 additional licenses by the October deadline. There's optimism from the BC Taxi Association. They will be able to meet demand this year. There will be 100% of the fleets on the road serving the people. We look forward for this day. We know it's very important and it is the most busy day for the taxi industry. We have a supply-managed monopoly of the taxi industry. But as the population across the Lower Mainland continues to grow, Towner says this isn't just about more licenses. It's about more transportation options. We need ride hailing. We need more buses, which TransLink is working on. We need all sorts of options for people to get around. Not only when they've been out bringing in the new year and partying. We just need more options to reduce congestion on our roads and to get people efficiently where they want to go safely. Out of historic global news. If you bought a Lotto Max ticket in South Delta, you should definitely check that ticket right now. The BC Lottery Corporation says last night's $39.5 million single winning ticket was sold in South Delta. The unofficial winning numbers are 5, 13, 14, 16, 17, 29, 49, and the bonus, 18. The odds of winning a Lotto Max jackpot or Max Million prize are about 1 in 28.6 million per play. 
You have 52 weeks from the draw date to claim the prize if you have that winning ticket. One thing's clear, we do not have no. that winning ticket. That's why we're, we're here. We're all here. Best get an accountant yes. if, you, if that is your ticket. Yeah, yeah. to start. A lot of weather uh, to talk about today, a lot of rain around here, but snow in other parts of the province. Yeah, significant amount, especially for the interior sections, the central half of the province and towards the north, we saw a range between 20 and up to 30 centimeters. I'll have more on the mountains in just a moment, but I did want to point out, if you're still heading along the mountain passes this evening, Rogers Pass has a winter storm warning. We're still seeing additional snowfall into the interior sections. It'll ease off a much easier day if you're planning on commuting tomorrow. And coming up, I will have your news and forecast, what we can anticipate across the province. Okay, and hockey is the sport of the day. Yes, apparently a few people in this country are crazy about this game. And uh, yeah, lots going on with that today. The juniors are on the ice right now at Rogers Arena taking on the Czechs. Up 3-1 early in the second, so good response for Canada after bit of a uh, ho-hum effort against uh, the Swiss the other night. So all the early highlights of that. And the Canucks back at it against the Flames. You know, the Canucks actually are the hottest team in the entire Western Conference wow. over the last 10 games, 7-2-1. and one. So they're playing well and they're getting healthier. They have another player back today, so we'll tell you all yeah, about that. December's been good to them. Yes, November was a very rough Not patch. Okay. They've either been really good or really bad. So uh, right now they're in the really good. The Alberta teacher held in China is now back in Canada as new details are emerging into the possible cause of her arrest. Sarah McIver-Zan says it was the fault of her employer who mistakenly moved her to a school in China that she did not have a work permit to teach at. Her detainment followed in the wake of the arrest of Canadians Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor on allegations they were harming China's national security. Both China and Canada insisted McIver's case was different. And tensions continue to rise between China and Canada after the high-profile arrest of Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou in Vancouver earlier this month. A Chinese court announcing today they will retry a Canadian convicted of drug trafficking in the country. Robert Lloyd Schellenberg was arrested in 2014 and given a 15-year sentence. A new trial could result in a longer jail term or even the death penalty. A powerful earthquake shook the southern coast of the Philippines today. It sparked fears of another tsunami just days after a deadly wave struck Indonesia and left several areas in ruin. As Sarah Harmon reports, it's raising questions over tsunami warning systems. In this Jakarta control room, they're working to spot tsunamis before they hit. So there's volcanic earthquakes? Yes, volcanic earthquakes. And there are seismic earthquakes? Right, yes. Are you tracking volcanic earthquakes here? Not, not really. And that's a problem, because although most tsunamis are triggered by earthquakes, the rest aren't. And parts of the country's tsunami detection system have been in disrepair since 2012. Last week's deadly wave that killed more than 400 was blamed on Anak Krakatoa, an erupting volcano which partially collapsed, triggering an underwater landslide that sparked the tsunami. These satellite images show the volcano is still crumbling. Indonesia's president promises an equipment upgrade to fix the broken detection system. Vital since the region sits on the so-called Ring of Fire an area of underwater volcanoes around the edges of the Pacific Ocean. Of course I'm afraid, but I have to live here because my job is here. In America, the western U.S. is the most vulnerable, but there's been an early warning system in place since 1949. 
there's better maintenance and there's better public education about what to do when you get a warning and there's more infrastructure to deliver the warnings. Meanwhile, Indonesia waits, hoping next time there's a natural disaster, they'll get a warning sign. Sarah Harmon, NBC News, Jakarta, Indonesia. If your New Year's resolution is to quit smoking, a new study suggests cutting alcohol could help. It turns out drinking alcohol makes the body metabolize nicotine faster. That means smokers are likely to crave cigarettes more while they drink. In other words, going dry for January may just give those wanting to kick the smoking habit the edge they need. We followed people for three weeks as they got treatment for alcohol use related difficulties in Toronto, Canada. And what we found is over the course of this very short period of time, there were huge reductions in people's nicotine metabolite ratio. Now, of those who dropped alcohol and smoking, 88% saved money, 71% slept better, and 58% lost weight. The countdown to New Year's is on, and at one of the biggest parties in the world, that means lots of preparations. New York's police commissioner says authorities are taking every step to keep people safe during the Times Square celebration, including a brand new surveillance tool. People will be safe on Monday, and they should feel safe too. New York City leadership says thousands of police officers will be on patrol, and more than 1,200 security cameras will be rolling as people flood Times Square to watch the ball drop. It's a New Year's tradition spanning more than a century. And earlier this week, workers finished installing the 12,000-pound ball's crystal paneling ahead of the big night. As in past years, Times Square will be protected by armed officers, canine units, bag searches, and trucks to block off access to normally busy New York streets. No big bags, no backpacks. Last year's festivities were on high alert because of an attempted terror attack just weeks earlier when a pipe bomb partially detonated in one of New York's busiest transportation centers. Now, drones will join traditional aviation units to surveil Times Square from the sky. We haven't done that before, uh, but that's going to give us a visual aid and a flexibility. New York Mayor Bill de Blasio stressed it's most important for revelers to stay vigilant. That idea, if you see something, say something. Although we depend on the NYPD, the NYPD also depends on all of us. And Yvonne is going to have the forecast for our New Year's Eve celebrations around here. But first, a look at the snow that fell in many parts of B.C. today, Yvonne. Very active, significant, a winter wonderland. A couple of days late after Christmas, but nonetheless, uh, central interior, one of the hardest hit areas, Quenelle today, getting uh, up to 30 centimeters. Just north of Kamloops, Noreen sent us in this great shot and this in Rayleigh from Noreen and Nacho. So some of the numbers, these are unofficial, just taken until noon, but giving us a range of what we did see. Quenelle, over 30 centimeters closer to 36 was reported at a few spots smithers arrange into the low 20s blue water mackenzie 23 and 24 centimeters and areas into the interior sorry that page skipped ahead uh, but for the okanagan seeing a range between five and up to 10 centimeters a glance at what we're seeing right now outside eight degrees a westerly wind we've seen very windy conditions they'll start to ease off but they're still sustained out of the airport at 33 kilometers per hour the moisture now still pushing its way towards the interior southeastern corners 
along the mountain passes, still accumulating snowfall for the evening, but it should ease off to flurries by the morning hours. A quick update of what it looks like on the Coquihalla and some of the numbers. An additional five centimeters, the connector two and up to four. Allison and Kootenay Pass, five and up to ten. And for the Pine Pass, up to five centimeters. Futurecast putting it into place tomorrow morning. Still some flurries for the interior and then it'll ease off much drier if you're planning on commuting towards the afternoon and leading in towards your Monday. Those are better travel days and along the northern half of the province we'll start to see another weather maker pushing in by Monday evening. For the piece, a nice clearing on the way tomorrow, but chilly with only hive minus 13. Monday, sunny and dry. White Horse will see the wind chill for the morning hours at minus 26 and for the afternoon sitting at minus 21. A break along the north coast tomorrow. The next weather maker pushing in very wet and windy for both your Monday, Tuesday on New Year's Day. Caribou and Central Interior dry day tomorrow. A break from all the snowfall. Temperatures tomorrow only up to minus 4. Columbia and Kootenai region clearing on the way towards the afternoon. Windy conditions with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Thompson Okanagan also seeing a break, but it's more so come the afternoon. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, sunny and dry for both, but chilly. Whistler tomorrow up to one degree, three degree, minus three for your Monday. And across the island, we'll see some nice breaks in the cloud. Temperatures near Victoria tomorrow will climb up to eight degrees. Our five-day forecast and very important for New Year's Eve. But tomorrow, a partly cloudy sky. Temperatures will bump up to 7 degrees. A milder day tomorrow and then cools off but remains dry for both New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Around the midnight hours, the temperatures hovering the freezing mark, so it will be cold if you plan on being outdoors. And then Wednesday, Thursday, the return for some wet weather. Pleasant tomorrow at 7 degrees. Monday, Tuesday, sunny and dry, but chilly. Jordan? Ooh, could be a chilly polar bear swim Tuesday morning. Thanks, Yvonne. (laughs) For the past 90 years, young British Columbians have been gathering at the B.C. legislature over the holiday season for the B.C. Youth Parliament. But it isn't just about playing politician. As Richard Zussman explains, it's all about making real change. It has all the sights and sounds the B.C. legislature is known for. The Piper. The swearing-in ceremony. And the debate. But in the seats, the MLAs have been swapped out for youth parliamentarians. It's an opportunity for youth to learn more about their parliamentary democracy. Sheridan Hawes is the Premier, elected by her peers and now leading the organization. Around her are 96 other youth parliamentarians, aged between 16 and 22, representing every corner of British Columbia. If we had a motto of youth serving youth and we only served the youth in the Lower Mainland, then we wouldn't be following our motto. It's really important for us that we have representatives from uh, Stikine to um, the Fraser Valley to the Okanagan to the islands. One of the key parts of the BCYP is running their own organization. The signature piece to that community work is Camp Phoenix, a summer camp for kids that can't afford themselves to go away. Instead, these young people fundraise to make that possible. These kids don't really get the chance to come to camp, and for us as an organization, that whole goal of youth serving youth and giving back to our communities is really important. My private uh, member's resolution was in support of further life skills education within the high school curriculum. Now, Permita Bakshi is hoping her legislation ends up in the hands of British Columbia's education minister, Rob Fleming. Those life skills include teaching grade 10 students about things like financial investing, as well as introducing grade 8s to the idea of substance abuse, the idea of youth designing policy that can help youth. 
The youth parliamentarians also go back to their communities with the goal of strengthening our democracy. And that's why another one of our mandates at BCYP is to do parliamentary education, to teach the youth about uh, what's going on right now and how politics works and how they can get involved. And it wouldn't be surprising if any of these youngsters ended up back in these chairs, this time as someone's MLA. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Now, you may have noticed Richard took part in the procession. Every year, the B.C. Youth Parliament Premier chooses a lieutenant governor to oversee the proceedings. And this year, Richard was chosen the first member of the press gallery to be bestowed with the honor. All right, Canada facing the Czech Republic. And safe to say, this is the toughest, toughest matchup yet? Yeah, well, Canada won gold last year, so their schedule's kind of progressive. They'll play a harder team each time, which kind of lets you get your rhythm yeah. in a tournament like this, and yeah, so far it's looking pretty good tonight. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, Canada's had uh, two very different games so far at the World Juniors. A blowout 14-0 win over Denmark, and then a tight 3-2 victory over the Swiss. This tournament is all about building for the playoff round, where it's single elimination. So just get better every day, and hopefully that gets you to the top of the podium. Right now, Canada is on the ice at Rogers Arena against the Czech Republic, who lost 2-1 to Russia yesterday. Canucks draft Mikey DiPietro. They call him Mikey. We've called him Michael, but apparently it is Mikey. Shutout in his opening game. Canada gets off to another good start. Owen Tippett to Captain Maxime Comtois, who fires it in off the pants of a Czech and in. That is a bank shot. 1-0 Canada. Czechs get it right back, though. Two-on-one break. And it's Andre Mahala who just beats Di Pietro. Good stretch by Di Pietro. Got a piece of it, but not all of it. 1-1. Canada's power play has struggled of late on an 0-7 for streak, but they break it. Ty Smith's shot tipped in front by Brett Leeson. Nice hands by the big man from the Prince Albert Raiders. 2-1 Canada. And then Canada's youngest player, 17-year-old Alexis Lafreniere. Not eligible for the draft until... June of 2020, ripping one of the top corner there. 3-1 Canada, second period. Time for Mikey to shine. Di Pietro, two big saves there. Keeps it 3-1. Canada's added another 4-1. They are just after the second going into the third period. The Canucks officially reached the midway point of their season tonight in Calgary, and they welcome back Sven Berchi to the lineup, who's missed two months with a concussion. With Berchi back, only Brandon Sutter and Troy Stetcher are injured, but both should be back in the next week or so. To make room on the roster, Adam Gaudet has been sent to Utica. Canucks are the hottest team in the West, 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. NHL today, Oilers and Sharks. The Oilers on a four-game losing skid. Vancouver beat them in two of those uh, four losses. Not a good day for the Oilers again. It looks like a practice drill. Three on one for the Sharks. Finished nicely by Eunice Donskoy. And then later in the period, Brent Burns just directs it to the net. Finds the stick of Thomas Hurtle. Quick little move on Cam Talbot to give San Jose a 2-1 lead after one. Sharks got six straight goals in this one. Third period shorthanded. Cam Talbot gives it away. To Evander Kane, who finds Logan Couture, who scores, and they were booing loudly in Edmonton after that. 6-1. Now in garbage time, Connor McDavid still makes the highlight reel. A ridiculous hand-eye coordination here to chip it over Martin Jones. Look at that, like a trick shot. 7-4 Sharks the final. Oilers, five straight losses, and they are in free-fall mode again. Western Conference leading Winnipeg Jets, hosting Minnesota, second period. 1-0 Wild, and they'll add to the lead Charlie Coyle. 
with the uh, quick little move there to the forehand. Beats Connor Helba. 2-0 Minnesota after two. But the Jets get one back on the power play. Who else but Patrick Lyonet loads up the one-timer. His 24th cuts the lead to 2-1. Two to one. Jets still down a goal. Final minute. Extra attacker. But the Wild foil the plans for the uh, equalizer. Eric Ferris steals it. Scores the empty netter, 3-1 the final. Winnipeg has dropped two straight at home. Leafs and Islanders, John Tavares facing his former team for the first time. Tavares has loved being a Leaf, though, 26 goals, second in the NHL to Ovechkin. But last year's Calder Trophy winner, Matt Barzell of Coquitlam, has stolen the show. His eighth of the season there on the deflection makes it 2-0. And then on the one-timer, gets a bit of a deflection off a Leaf Body in front, but uh, Barzell will take it. Second of the game, 3 nothing Islanders. Tavares wondering, hmm, maybe I should have stayed on the island. Barzell not done yet. Completes the second period hat-trick. The second hat-trick of his career. 4 nothing Islanders, that's where they stand very late in the third as they spoil the party for John Tavares. Canadians in Tampa taking on the league-leading Lightning. Montreal hanging in there in a playoff spot in the East. Kerry Price injured, so Antti Niemi in goal, and the Habs got off to a good start, already up 1-0. Great pass by Jordy Ben to Kenny Agostino. Plenty of Hab fans, as always, in the state of Florida. Tampa tied it, but the Habs regained the lead, and it's Jordy Ben again. Fires it top shelf on Andre Vasilevsky. Ben second of the year, 3-2 Habs. Lightning, though, the highest-scoring team in the NHL, and Tyler Johnson pretty set up here from uh, Sergachev and Kucherov on the assist. 4-3 Tampa, but... Former Vancouver Giant Brett Kulak. He doesn't score very often. That's his first of the year. Ties it for the Canadians. 4-4. And then a minute later, Habs score again. Andrew Shaw hammers in the one-timer. Second of the game, 11th of the year. He's having a great season. But Tampa's tied it in the third. That's where they stand right now. 5-5. Welcome back. The Seahawks complete their regular season tomorrow at home to last place Arizona. A Seahawks win clinches the five seed in the NFC and a first-round playoff meeting in Dallas. A loss, and the Seahawks could slip to sixth and meet either the Bears or Rams. The main thing, stay healthy, get healthy, and be ready for the postseason. Chanel basically says all that, but much more eloquently in the red zone. Arizona is dead last and likely wants to remain there for next year's draft. The Cards have lost 8 of 10 and have an NFL worst in point differential of almost minus 200. Last week, they allowed 269 rushing yards to the Rams, who didn't even have Todd Gurley in the lineup. The Cards are 32nd against the run, giving up 153 yards a game. Good news for the Seahawks. Josh Rosen has struggled recently. Three interceptions, zero touchdowns in the last four games. That's why Arizona is the lowest scoring team in the NFL, averaging just 13 points a game. Right now, they have the third worst offense since 1986. But Rosen did have a touchdown pass versus Seattle earlier this year when the Hawks escaped the desert with a win on the final play of the game. Chris Carson continues to run amok back-to-back 100-yard games, including three touchdowns in that stretch. Now Carson has hit the century mark five times this season and could make it six on Sunday. Seattle is by far the best rushing team in the NFL, racking up an average of almost 
160 yards a game, including 210 last week. Now expect more of the same with 200, not out of the question versus the Cards. The defense coming into form of late, causing seven turnovers in the last four games. In fact, Seattle leads the NFL in turnover differential, a whopping plus 14. Don't be surprised if this one gets ugly as the Hawks will likely rest some of their starters while the Cards are playing not to lose that first overall pick. Seattle is favored by 13 and a half, but has lost to Arizona at least once in each of the last three years. 15 NCAA football national championship semifinal Saturday. First semi, number three Notre Dame, number two Clemson playing in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Both teams undefeated, but it was a one-way street. Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence to Justin Rose, 52-yard touchdown. Missed the extra point, but they led 9-3. Later in the second, same combination. Lawrence delivers it perfectly. This one goes for 42 yards. Clemson led 23-3 at the half, and then in the third, Another explosive play from the Tigers, Travis Etienne, like he's shot out of a cannon, 62-yard gallop for the touchdown. Clemson is off to the national championship game after routing Notre Dame 30-3 in the Cotton Bowl. Meanwhile, the other semi at the Orange Bowl in Miami, number one Alabama, number four Oklahoma, all Crimson tied early, already up 7-0. Bama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa lofts it to the end zone, great one-handed catch by Henry Ruggs. They reviewed that, but he got that foot down with possession. Great grab, 14-0. Now 21-0, Tagovailoa to Josh Jacobs, who does the rest, 27-yard touchdown. The Sooners have gotten on the board, but it's 28-10, Bama, late in the first half. English Premiership, first place, Liverpool, fifth place, Arsenal. Gunners got on the board first, but Liverpool equalized just three minutes later. A bit of a fortunate bounce for the Brazilian, Roberto Firmino, slots it in the open net, 1-1. Two minutes later, this is anything but luck. Firmino with the slick move and then fires it in for his second of the day, and just like that, Liverpool lead 2-1. Brilliant goal. They get another before the half. Long ball from uh, midfield. Perfectly to Mo Salah, who finds Sadio Mane. That is pretty to watch. Liverpool, so dangerous. A lot of weapons. 3-1 Liverpool at the half. Salah added one from the penalty spot. And then Firmino will do the same. That's his first Premier League hat-trick as Liverpool flex their muscles. 5-1 the win at Anfield. They're now 17 wins, three draws through 20 matches. They've yet to lose. They're 10 points up on third-place Manchester City. Second-place Spurs trying to keep pace. Took on Wolverhampton. Just promoted this season. Wolves have been the pleasant surprise. Entering in seventh place, but Spurs get off on the right foot or maybe left foot. Harry Kane 22 minutes in. Tottenham led 1-0 at the half. But the Wolves come out with some snarl in the second half. Willie Bully with the header made it 1-1. And then in the 83rd, Raul Jimenez with an innocent little shot. Took a deflection and finds the back of the net. And Wolves shock Tottenham at Wembley 3-1. So Spurs now nine points back of Liverpool. And it's looking pretty good for Liverpool to win the championship right now. Here's a look at your snow report for today with lots of snow on many of the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with 8 new centimeters, Grouse 18, Cypress 20, and Sasquatch 13. 13 new centimeters for Revelstoke, 5 for Fernie, 9 for Manning Park, Whitewater with 10 new centimeters. Big White with 20 new centimeters, 13 for Silver Star, Sun Peaks 19. 
Kicking Horse with six new centimeters, Mount Washington five, and Powder King 20. Welcome back. Delta Airlines is set to debut a new plane next month. It's designed by Canadian manufacturer Bombardier and has many improved features, such as wider seats and a system to avoid turbulence. Take a look. You could say the Airbus A220 was slow to take off. It started as a plane no one seemed to want, but now Delta is betting it's the jet you're going to want to fly on. The reason passengers should care about the A220 are three magical words. Wider coach seats. You don't hear airlines introducing planes that are actually much more comfortable for us as travelers, especially in coach. Seat size is a common complaint with flyers. The 18.6-inch wide seats are the largest economy seats in Delta's fleet. The 109-seat A220 boasts bigger overhead bins, so your bag's going to fit. Larger windows, in-seat power, and TV screens. And it's the only airliner we know of that has a loo with a view. Yep. That's a window in the bathroom. You're at 35,000 feet. It has a shade, uh, but what a view. The flight deck is state-of-the-art and includes an app to avoid turbulence. Delta's flight weather viewer aims to show pilots where the smooth air is by crowdsourcing data from all of Delta's aircraft. So climbing up and down, trying to find smooth air, um, I can look at this and say, yep, it's right there. I know exactly where it is. If the focus on the inside is comfort, out here it's about efficiency. The plane is made of composite material, so it's lighter, and those engines are new and advanced, making the plane 20% more fuel efficient. Basically, it flies farther for cheaper. The A220 was designed by Canadian jet maker Bombardier, but struggled to win orders and prompted a trade dispute with Boeing until Airbus bought the plane and planned to move some production to the U.S. Delta ordered 75, and JetBlue another 60 which will have the new plane flying high over the U.S. for years to come. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Atlanta. So not in Canada just yet, but Air Canada has some of those on order, and they're supposed to arrive by this time next year. Hmm. So we'll see. That's pretty good. Does, yeah. uh, could they also include people not kicking your seats? <laughs> a couple of those uh, other details, too. To too. Yeah, I think that's a little too much to, to ask for. an airline manners course. Yeah, that, yeah. more on. the etiquette nice. sometimes. If, if just the nicest flyers were allowed on this. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sign me up. Word on the weather before we go? Uh, tomorrow will be a much drier day. If you're commuting along any of the mountain passes, it's going to ease off as well. And so far for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, quite chilly, but dry across Metro Vancouver. Excellent. That is the news hour. Thanks for watching. Hope you can join us at 11. Good night.